reality TV show that captured the attention of the world. A group of very young girls, their overbearing mothers, and a dance coach so intense, some called her methods abusive. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello, hello. Hi, we're back for part two. We are back for part two on the Abby Lee Dance Company and the Dance Mums franchise. Zara, what did we cover in episode one? Well, we covered a bit. (laughs) There's still so much to go. So I think what was most interesting for us is looking at how quickly Abby Lee Miller exploded. Like we didn't know a lot about Abby Lee Miller pre-Dance Mums. It definitely seemed like she ran a moderately successful local dance studio. She actually had been doing that since she was 14 years old. So weird. Yeah, which was a long time in her career. She never kind of fancied herself as the performer, but definitely the choreographer. Before Dance Mums as well, we know that Abby Lee Miller actually filed for bankruptcy. That was at the end of 2010. It was just months before Dance Mums came to fruition. Looking into it, we kind of came to the conclusion that it was just economically a pretty horrendous time Mm. for the world, particularly for the US, that it wouldn't be a surprise at all for that bankruptcy to be linked to what was going on in 2009, 2010. Post-GFC, for sure. Around this time that she filed for bankruptcy, she actually had a conversation with her longtime friend and professional dancer, John Carella, that led to the idea of Dance Mums. They were talking about the television show So You Think You Can Dance and Abby essentially said, these people, these producers are crazy. They're missing the best part of the dancing industry and the best part is the Dance Mums. Yes, exactly. And so the show was born. The show premiered on July 13, 2011 on the Lifetime Network. Abby Lee Miller was 47 years old at the time. The first episode did pretty well. It reached 1.05 million viewers. But by the end of the season, it had peaked at 1.8 million And boy, was it controversial, (laughs) of particular controversy and a particular sticking point for the media and for viewers was how Abby Lee Miller treated these young Mm. girls who were aged between eight and I think about 13 or 14. She would sort of rank them in the pyramid. The pyramid became iconic, but also very scandalous and controversial. (laughs) She was ruthless. She was ruthless and she was, at times you might say, aggressive. One of the main controversies in the first few seasons was a physical altercation that she got into with one of the mums, Kelly. Now, Kelly was kind of seen maybe striking her on the head or kind of It was a weird exchange, but she got into blows with one of the dance moms. Yeah, exactly. Now, Kelly ended up leaving the show. Her two kids end up leaving the show. (laughs) We left off after their battle in court over the whole thing. (laughs) I'm not even going into detail about it now. I'm sorry, but if you didn't listen to it, you need to go back. I did all the work then and so did you. Now we're rewinding back to 2014. All right, Zara. So it's 2014. And at this point in the timeline, we really do need to zoom in on one of the young dancers, Maddie Ziegler. As we told you in episode one, Maddie was like the top 
star of the group. She was the golden girl at the Abbey Lee Dance Company. By 2014, she was 11 years old and filming season five of the show. Season four was currently airing on television, which I think goes to show that production never really took a break. While one season was airing, another was being filmed and being produced. Our researcher Eilish actually made a great point out of this. She thinks they really had to churn out season after season because they actually had to capitalise on these kids being kids before they all grew up. 1,000%. Especially because at that age, so much changes year to year. Like their appearance changes. Oh my God. changes. Whole new people almost every season. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy how much they did back to back. Season four of Dance Mums, by the way, was still rating super well when compared to previous seasons. The show still regularly achieved well over 2 million views per episode. And as it turns out, out. One of those two million viewers was none other than Australian pop songwriter Sia. Yeah, let's do a really quick recap on Sia's career before we tell you about how she's connected to Maddie Ziegler. Sia was a really successful singer and songwriter here in Australia by 2014. She had relocated to the US to focus on songwriting for other artists. By this point in time, she had penned tracks for Beyonce, Rihanna, Kylie Minogue and more. Then in 2011, she wrote a song called Titanium, which was originally intended for Alicia Keys. In the end, David Guetta picked up the track and released it using Sia's original vocals. They were kind of like test vocals for the song. And that propelled her into the spotlight on the global stage. I remember this happening and remember being like, wow, the biggest song in the world right now has an Australian singer on it. Yeah, because Australians are so like that, we'll claim anything. (laughs) Like we are like so excited when one of our own does well. Now, Titanium success prompted another collaboration with Flowrider titled Wival Twans, What a Song, (laughs) which was another massive hit, which meant the world was hungry for a full-length solo Sia pop music album. Now, the other thing you need to know about Sia, beyond the fact she's an incredible songwriter and incredible singer, is that she absolutely loves reality TV. Yes. Adores it. Obsessed with it. Now, a Sydney Morning Herald profile from 2010 stated that she obsessively consumes vacuous American reality (laughs) shows. Fans of the Kardashians as well will also know that Sia features in a couple of episodes of the Kardashians, dating back to like the Chloe and Tristan affair episodes. She has not only loved watching that show, she then became friends with the Kardashians because she watched it. Yes, which kind of leads very well to our next point because serendipitously, Sia was a fan of Dance Moms 2. And in March 2014, she took to Twitter in an attempt to get in touch with Maddie Ziegler and her mum, Melissa. The tweet read, Hey Maddie, you want to play me in the video for my first single? Melissa, my people are trying to get in touch. (laughs) Knowing Melissa from this show, I think her brain would have exploded upon seeing this tweet. Reflecting on the first contact from Sia, Maddie Ziegler later said, I thought it was fake at first because not a typical person just tweets you like a celebrity. I didn't even know she was making a video. There was no audition, no anything. It was just a direct message from Twitter. I had no clue what I was getting into. I just knew some of her songs and I thought I was going to be like a background dancer with some other people. I thought I was going to be swinging from a chandelier. I mean, fair call given what the song is called. (laughs) Two weeks after this tweet, Maddie was on a plane to LA to learn the choreography and film the video. Now, of course, the video in question, as we mentioned, was Sia's monumental hit, Chandelier, where Maddie dances solo through this like decrepit looking 
apartment. Mm. Now, the whole thing happened extremely quickly. Sia reached out on Twitter in early March 2014 and the video was released by May 6. Yeah, this is a very, very quick turnaround. She actually nailed the brief as well, apparently. Maddie learned the choreography back to front for the video in less than two hours. She was just such, and I mean, is still such, a talented, talented dancer. Absolutely. Now, of course, we know that Chandelier was one of the biggest songs of 2014. The video was nominated for a Grammy Award and today it's sitting at over 2 billion views on YouTube. I think a key part of that beyond the song being popular is Maddie Ziegler. Her expressive and like super, super skillful performance in the music video was universally and critically praised, Mm. right? It wasn't just like this reality TV kid that's been thrown into a music video just for the face. It was the skill that people were astounded by. It was like, look at this young dancing sensation. As per Entertainment Weekly, in the video, Maddie delivers a performance that's spookily intense, delightfully weird and thoroughly twitchy. One that placed Maddie squarely in music video history, this video really did become part of like pop culture folklore. It was memified and parodied. Jim Carrey did the dance for an SNL skit while Jimmy Kimmel even had Maddie on his show to teach him the routine. I mean, two billion views. That says everything. Hey, like it wasn't just a music video. It went so far beyond that. And I think it could have been a drop in the ocean. It could have been a cool thing that Maddie Ziegler did before going back to real life or Dance Mums. But the Chandelier music video was a catalyst for a really long-term creative partnership between Maddie Ziegler and Sia. But before we get to that, we're going to have to go back to Dance Mums for a sec, Mish. Yeah. All right. So the last episode of Dance Mums season four aired in October 24. And it was a seriously explosive one. Just weeks after Kelly and her daughters Brooke and Paige left for good, another key member of the Abby Lee Dance Company and her mother were announcing that they were leaving too. This time it was Christy and her now 13-year-old Chloe who were leaving. As we said in episode one, Chloe often played second fiddle to Maddie but was definitely one of the strongest dancers. Yeah, now their departure followed an explosive confrontation, surprise, surprise, between Mum Christy and Abby Lee Miller. Now, in the show, Abby said Chloe, the kid, 13, mm. is washed up, which led to a yelling match between Abby and Christy. Now, Christy and Chloe then made the decision to leave the team and the show altogether. Now, what's interesting is when this particular confrontation aired during the episode, Christy tweeted at the time, Actually, Abby made fun of Chloe's face caused by a medical condition there, not her dancing. Yeah, and this was her story the entire time, right? So that's the tweet she put out when the world was watching this confrontation. But she had actually tweeted about this before. In real time, on the day when this confrontation was filmed, she had posted on Twitter and then promptly deleted this. Abby just made fun of Chloe's appearance caused by a health issue. I'm sure it will be edited to protect Abby. What a piece of trash. Yeah, in a YouTube video uploaded years later, Chloe herself revealed the reason she decided to leave the show. She said, The reason I left Dance Mums was because my former dance teacher made fun of a medical condition I have. I heard everything she said in the confrontation and they didn't show it on Dance Mums and it's not really said a lot, but she made fun of me. As much respect as I have for her as a dance teacher, and as a person, what she said was horrible. Mm. In that same video, Chloe explained that she has something called silent 
prominent sinus syndrome, which can have the result of one eye appearing smaller than the other. Yeah. So with the ALDC down three dancers, Abby really desperately needed some fresh talent and quick. So by season five, there was a new standout dancer who was coming onto the show. In February 2015, season five of Dance Mums began airing weekly as per usual. But now the new cast member that everyone was talking about was 12-year-old Joelle Joni Siwa, better known as Jojo, and her mother Jessalyn. What I was most surprised about when digging into this story mm. was the fact that Jojo Siwa only started on Dance Moms in season five. Because as someone who didn't consume the show, but only knew two people that came from it, Maddie Ziegler and Jojo Siwa, I was floored that she wasn't there from the start, that she built this cult following so quickly. I feel like such an idiot because I watched the first four seasons. I didn't watch from season five onwards. I think I completely forgot that Jojo was ever on Dance Moms. Yeah. I just that connection in my head wasn't there. And I think her rise to fame is truly something to behold, mm-hmm. and we're going to walk you through it now. <laughs> now, Avi was desperate for big stars to replace the ones who left, and Jojo filled that void. She had bleach blonde hair, a big ponytail. She always had that oversized bow perched on the top of her head, and their first episode was actually in Season 5, Episode Three. Importantly, this wasn't Jojo's first experience with Abby. She'd actually been a featured contestant on the spin-off series Abby's Ultimate Dance Competition as an eight-year-old, and she made it to the top five. Yeah, so she had experience with Abby for sure. She was a really refreshing addition to Dance Mums. She was confident, loud, sassy, opinionated. She actually developed a bit of a habit of speaking back to Abby on multiple occasions, which was a huge no-no. Like, we did not see this from any kid. And then Jojo comes onto the scene and starts clapping back at her yeah, dance coach. 100%. Now, this obviously meant that Jojo and Abby butted heads pretty often. I think it's probably worth at this point touching on some of their big kind of blow-ups. In Season 7, Episode 5, Abby assigned Jojo a solo number inspired by the movie Carrie and told her to watch the movie so she could understand the reference. Carrie, for context, is like an R-rated movie, by the way. So when Jojo didn't watch the movie and placed fifth in the competition... Abby went off. Have a listen to the exchange and have a listen to what Jojo claps back with. Don't have an attitude that you are entitled in this world. You are not. You deserve nothing else. You earn it. You can't stand here and cry. I have no, 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 no crying children. Not. Well, if you yell at me, I'm going to cry. Get out. Go. Go. Okay. Go. I love that so much. It's true. Like, of course it's true. I'm she's a child. Not, she's not being rude. Like, she had this ability to just speak fact yes. so clearly that I think audiences really adored. A few episodes later, Abby asked the other girls on the team to write a list of why she should allow Jojo to officially join <laughs> the dance group. She also asked them to each write a list of reasons why she shouldn't be allowed <laughs> to join the team. <laughs> Sorry. She's... Thirteen. So you're a thirteen-year-old kid. What sicko pits children against, against each other? I mean, are you kidding? This is her whole her whole thing. According to the other girls, Jojo was too loud and too crazy to join the team, and Jojo had to just stand there and take these criticisms. Now. It wasn't like these were just like anonymous things that were given to Abby and Abby would use these things to think about whether adding Jojo <laughs> to the team. Abby made sure that Jojo heard them out loud. 
Which is just crazy to me, but then also maybe not that crazy in the context of the show. This was just like another day of filming. Completely. So JJ obviously joins the Abby Lee Dance Company. And I want to take a moment here to have a chat with you about brand JoJo. Yeah, please. Because she joined in 2015, but by 2016, she was already using this platform on Dance Mums to become a bigger star. Completely. So in 2016, she started a YouTube channel and uploaded her first video. It was sort of like an old home video of her performing her first dance solo at two years old. She then went on to use YouTube like any other vlogger and content creator would and did at the time. And it was sort of YouTube's peak era. Mm. So she wasn't just tapping into the reality TV audience. She was tapping into this huge YouTube audience. I mean, she was making videos with Colleen Ballinger, known, of course, as Miranda Sings, who, yes. you know, has had her own controversies of the mm. last few months. But that cross-pollination audience-wise did massive things for a brand. She was savvy for sure. And while all of that content creation did wonders for boosting her brand, particularly to a young audience, it was just a few months later that she would make a decision that would change the entire trajectory of her career. It was a single decision to make a song, Zara McDonald. Yeah. A song called Boomerang that was released on May 18, 2016, that changed the course of Jojo Siwa's life. Yeah. So on May 18, 2016, Jojo Siwa uploaded her music video for Boomerang and it did explode. In five days, it had surpassed two million views. And at this point in time, the time that we're recording, it's it's nearly reached one billion views. Now, the song itself, perhaps unsurprisingly, is one of those like sickly sweet self-confidence anthems, mm. I guess. It has lyrics like stuck to the phone because they're all alone, hide behind a screen because they're just so mean, but we don't play it like that. We don't even fight back. I mean, quite the rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> the video, of course, was set in a middle school and involved Jojo standing up to a bunch of mean girls. So it's like a power anthem for... For women of this age. For women and girls everywhere. Fellow Dance Moms alum Kendall and Jill also had roles in the video. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what it was about this that propelled Jojo to stardom. Like maybe it simply was that authenticity. Maybe it was her ability to fight back against Abby and then fight back against the bullies in this video. But People just adored her. There was something about Jojo at this point in time that people really resonated with. Yeah. Here's a quote from the Washington Post that also tried to kind of delve into what we're trying to delve into <laughs> right now, which is what it was about Jojo Siwa that just stuck. With her boundless high ponytail enthusiasm and comeback like a boomerang positivity, Jojo mostly draws a fan base on the younger side. When life is still sunshine and rainbows, Jojo only needs one gentle algorithmic push to materialise on a child's screen. Parents say Jojo seemed to pop up in their lives randomly, usually through a YouTube kid suggestion that a child clicked on. So the YouTube algorithm, I think, has you know, some role to play here too. For sure. Jojo also had the advantage of having a professional manager, a woman called Karen Sterling. And Karen was on board from pretty much the very beginning. So everything was strategic essentially from day one. As Jojo told Forbes, Karen had a jewellery line and she knew I was an influencer and wanted me to do stuff for her jewellery line. This is when I was on Dance Mums. She said, I want to fly to Vegas and meet you. So she came and watched my performance and said, I want to manage you. I've never done this before, but you are supposed to be a star. So tell me what you want and I'll get it for you. I told her and it was a huge goal. 
and she just said, let's make it happen. Yeah, companies soon realised that the Jojo Siwa brand had powerful earning potential and kids' television giant Nickelodeon were amongst the first to want to get involved on this. At just 13 years old, Jojo signed her deal with Nickelodeon. Now, we don't know exactly what this deal entailed. What we do know is it seemed to be a pretty all-encompassing representative agreement. Like pretty much all of Jojo's future products and ventures like touring were plastered with the Nickelodeon logo. It feels like to me, it's almost like they found a way to get a cut of everything. They had their mitts on anything Jojo was producing. Yeah. And I can understand why Jojo and her team would say yes to this because they are like the ultimate rocket ship when it comes to reaching her exact target demo. As per Forbes, despite the fact that Jojo was so young when she signed, she immediately took a hands-on approach to her business. She said, early on, Nickelodeon wanted to have a meeting where they discussed big business and they wanted to do it without me. My mum and I said, that's not how it works. We've been in this together since day one. In that meeting, Pam, who is the head of consumer products, said, just so you know, if this t-shirt doesn't sell, then it's all over. That was why I didn't want you here. Now, every time I see her, I laugh and say, how did that t-shirt sell? Yeah, because everything Jojo touched (laughs) sold. We are going to talk more about brand Jojo and also more about the Dance Moms Empire after the break. All right, guys. So if Jojo's rise feels quick to you, it's probably because it was. It was, <laughs> it was extremely quick. We're going to leave the timeline for a second to talk to you about the business of Jojo Siwa. So we're leaving 2015, but we're going to check back in with 2015 after we talk about Jojo. Yeah. You guys are all with us. I think you're all <laughs> with us. So as we know, Jojo first appeared on Dance Moms in 2015 and the following year she was already signed to Nickelodeon, already generating millions upon millions of views on her music videos and she was also vlogging on YouTube. At this point, as you know, she was 13 years old. Now, you guys know, anyone who's kind of seen brand Jojo knows that we can't talk about her rise to fame without talking about her merchandise. We need to have a chat, Mish, about the kinds of products that Jojo Siwa or brand Jojo Siwa marketed and how much money they were bringing in. Yeah. So one of the first items of merchandise that the Jojo brand was associated with was, of course, her signature hair bows. Now, Claire's, which is, of course, the American retail chain that sells really affordable, youthful jewellery and accessories were amongst the first to stock these bows. And the bows went absolutely feral, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) People were sick for these bows. In fact, in 2020, Jojo told Forbes that she'd sold over 80 million (laughs) Jojo bows. That is absurd. That is stupid. Stupid. I think if you were to ask me, okay, guess, how many bows do you think Jojo Siwa has sold (laughs) over the course of selling bows? I would have said like a million. (laughs) 80 million. Forbes then estimated that this meant that the Jojo bows had generated more than $400 million in sales alone. Jojo also said in 2020 that there were 12,000 different types of of Jojo bows available. Insane. Also, a question in my head, what was the cut of this deal? How much did Nickelodeon or the various other people involved in Jojo's bank account, who got what? I'd be very curious to know because $400 million is obviously 
quite the lot. Bit of cash. <laughs> now, the non-comprehensive list of Jojo Siwa branded products went on to include headwear, so bows and hats, bags, clothing, shoes, jewelry, sunglasses, pajamas, underwear, costumes, cosmetics, a bow maker, a karaoke machine, headphones, microphones, selfie sticks, <laughs> board games, dolls, puzzles, bedding, room decor, blankets, greeting cards, stationery, plushies, and books. And that's not all. There's that's more. Not it. <laughs> we just couldn't list them all, to be honest. Now, obviously, JoJo's business and branding partnerships had grown far beyond anything she could possibly keep her eyes on all by herself, as well as her mum and as well as her manager. As per Forbes, Siwa has a global team that supports her and her brand. She said there are 500 Nickelodeon employees worldwide that support the JoJo brand. I can't be present in every business meeting because they're probably having three JoJo meetings right now. People in Hong Kong are probably having JoJo meetings. People in Australia, oh, hello, are probably (laughs) having JoJo meetings because it's such a huge franchise. We're always thrown into these kind of examples. It's like the far off land of Australia. (laughs) Can you believe it? They have JoJo meetings. (laughs) All right. So that's JoJo and her massive bank account and her massive brand. Let's go back to 2015 where we left off in the context of Dance Mums because something big was going on behind the scenes for Abby Lee Miller. Yeah. On October 15, 2015, a 50-year-old Abby Lee Miller was indicted on 20 counts of fraud by the United States Department of Justice. As per ABC News at the time, according to the 20-count indictment, Miller, 50, filed a petition to reorganise her dance studio in 2010 and then allegedly devised a plan to defraud the bankruptcy court by lying about money she earned from her TV deals and masterclass studio sessions and apparel and merchandise sales between 2012 and 2013. The indictment also alleges that Miller secretly created bank accounts to hide that income, which totaled more than $755,000, and as a result, gained better terms to restructure her debt. If convicted, Miller faces up to five years in prison and a fine of two hundred and fifty grand for each count of this indictment. Yikes. So this article states that Abby was facing, as Mish said, a $250,000 fine for each count of fraud, which meant that Abby was essentially looking at a potential fine of $5 million US plus jail time, all up for her alleged crimes. As per deadline... Almost overlooked, the shifty details of Abby Miller's fraud only came about by accident. If bankruptcy judge Thomas Agresti hadn't nonchalantly turned on the then relatively new Dance Moms on TV one night a few years ago, the buried big bucks might never have been dug up. Agresti was overseeing Miller's pre-Dance Moms bankruptcy case, which looked to be winding up. However, while watching the show, the judge started wondering why the money from the show was not being included as part of the bankruptcy proceedings, which had Miller claiming a total income of 8800 a month. Wild. What? <laughs> also, just it's just like-, like one of those things, right, where if you're so public and you're still going through the old bankruptcy case, like this is the bankruptcy case that was happening pre-Dance Moms, and you're on TV and you're claiming income, as if people aren't going to look at that and think, hmm, I reckon there's a bit more here. Like, I reckon they're not claiming income. Do you think this was arrogance from Abby to be like, a judge, a bankruptcy judge, is not watching the Lifetime Network. Like, very potentially. Now, Abby delayed the trial for as long as the courts allowed her to, and by March 2016, she'd successfully delayed the trial 
five times. <laughs> While the trial was delayed, Abby went on an international tour with her dance students and promoted summer classes at the Abby Lee Dance Company. Eventually, though, she actually reached a deal with federal prosecutors, which saw her plead guilty in the trial, which was then scheduled for June 27, 2016. By this time, prosecutors had added yet another charge to Abby's long list of alleged crimes, one that was customs fraud. Yeah, and this was related to dance mums again. Apparently, when returning from a dance mums tour, Abby had brought more than $10,000 in cash from Australia today <laughs> to the United States without declaring it. After her guilty plea and that additional charge were revealed, Abby released this statement. Events over the past several months have been extremely challenging for me, my family, my friends, and most important, my students. Because of this, I made the very difficult decision to close the door on this chapter of my life by accepting responsibility for mistakes I've made along the way. I appreciate all the wonderful messages of support I've received from around the world and look forward to the future in getting back to my life's work, helping young dancers fulfill their potential. (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> Ranking kids against yeah, each other. exactly. In court, texts written by Abby were revealed as evidence. As per deadline, she sent a text that read, we have all this foreign cash that need a little money laundering. <laughs> you're going through a bankruptcy case. Why are you putting all of this in writing? Like, it's so unambiguous as well. We have all this foreign cash, need a little money laundering. She allegedly had employees sneak more than $120,000 into the US from Australia in Ziploc bags inside their luggage. Far out. Now, Abby's sentencing was also delayed several times until finally on May 9, 2017, she was sentenced to one year and one day in prison, plus fines totaling $160,000. Abby was set to be supervised by the authorities for two years following her eventual release from prison. During the sentencing, sorry, I just find this whole thing it's just so funny. Chief judge, a woman called Joy Flowers Conti, told Abby Lee Miller this. You were not truthful. Even when you knew you were supposed to tell everything, you still weren't truthful. Somehow you got caught up in the world of fame and you lost your moral compass. Ouch. So you might have been wondering, of course, what was going on with dance moms while Abby was entangled in all of these legal proceedings? Well, Abby's court case was actually referenced constantly throughout season six of Dance Moms and it became a clear reason or perhaps excuse behind her more chaotic behaviour as the season progressed. For example, in one episode, Holly, Nia's mother, said Abby's legal troubles were simmering and bubbling and finally the pot has boiled over. And once again, this dance team is collateral damage in Abby's personal problems. Mm, It was apparent to anyone who was watching the show around this time that something had to give. Abby was having frequent meltdowns throughout season six and the first half of season seven. And it was abundantly clear the pressure was getting to her. I rewatched episodes as part of the preparation for this series and she was just she was not coping at all. On March 28, 2017, so roughly midway through season 7 of the show and about 2 months before Abby Lee Miller's sentencing, she published an explosive Instagram post in which she quit Dance Mums and accused producers on the show of mistreating her. Yes, now the post 
it should be noted, was written in all capitals. Yes. <laughs> just for tone. It's just, yeah, which is always a good start. It read, I will no longer be taking part in Dance Mums. For the past six years and seven seasons, I have asked, begged, and even demanded creative credit for all the ideas, award-running routines, themes, and costuming, to no avail. I don't have a problem working with any kid. I love children and have dedicated my life to making other people's children successful. I just have a problem with being manipulated, disrespected, and used. Day in, day out by men who never took a dance lesson in their lives and treat women like dirt. As per Refinery29, Lifetime responded. In an email to Refinery29, Lifetime's publicity team wrote that they have no comment in regards to Miller's resignation at this time. The dance teacher, though, is making it clear she's ready to move on. She ended her Instagram post with the hashtag new beginnings. Mm, That wasn't the last we saw of Abby on Dance Mums though. After her sentencing, an interview with Abby ran as a Dance Mums special bonus episode. It was entitled Abby Tells All. She also appeared in another special episode titled Abby's Last Dance. In both of these interviews, Abby was asked questions about her upcoming prison time, her past financial crimes, and of course, all of the seasons of Dance Mums. Here's a snippet of Abby discussing what she was most fearful of when it came to prison. What are you scared of? You know, I've been told not to talk about it because once they know, when they see this and they know, that's what they'll go after. I've read, you know, in other places that you're afraid of physical abuse of any kind. It's not something that I think about. I've kind of blocked it out, but it's definitely something that I'm terrified of, yes. She kind of extrapolated on that when speaking to Extra as well at the time, where she said, so many things scare me about prison. Am I able to wear socks to bed when I sleep at night? Because my feet cramp. Yup, I know that might sound silly, but that is an actual fear. I am just a nice Catholic girl from Pittsburgh. I know I am not a criminal mastermind. I listened to the wrong people. I trusted people. I just never had to take care of the money, so I didn't. I put someone else in charge of that, and that was wrong. It doesn't help when you've got that text message. She's got fuckloads of foreign cash. (laughs) Smuggle it. (laughs) We need some money laundering. It's like... With like, someone in your ear telling you to write that text. Go to it's it's also so funny because it's like you get the I'm sure the legal teams got given the phone and all they would have to type in was foreign cash and money laundering. <laughs> like the keywords are just like right there. I know we were supposed to move on, but I'm really still oh, hung up on I'm the still text. back there. Now on July 12, 2017, Abby reported to prison to serve her 366-day sentence for bankruptcy fraud. On March 27, 2018, so by this point, 258 days into her sentence, Abby was transferred to a halfway house to begin her transition back into the community. As per a report from TMZ, we're told the facility will provide the Dance Mum star with a safe, structured and supervised environment where she'll be given employment counselling, job placement and financial management assistance. Something tells us Abby will have no problem finding a TV gig when she gets out. Yeah, but it was while she was actually in the halfway house that Abby ran into some trouble. She was actually rushed to the emergency room after suffering excruciating neck pain and weakness in her arm, Mish. Yeah, this was weird as well because People magazine at the time spoke to her orthopedic spine surgeon, a man named Dr. Human M. Melamed, who 
told them all about Abby's condition? He's, weird. It's really weird. He said that she had rapidly deteriorated to the point where she was completely paralyzed from the neck down. As per that People magazine report, if we didn't do something, she was going to die. Her blood pressure was bottoming out. She was not doing well. The piece gave a lot of detail. They said that she had an almost five-hour surgery, that she required an 18-inch incision on her back, and that Dr. Malamed had to remove part of several vertebrae to relieve pressure on her spinal cord. So she was really unwell and her doctor was speaking to the media, but I'm guessing it must have been with Abby Lee Miller's permission. Surely. Now, just one day after the major surgery, that doctor diagnosed Abby with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, a cancer that develops in the lymphatic system system. Now, luckily there was hope for a full recovery for Abby, but she would have to undergo several rounds of chemo and entirely relearn to walk after her major surgery. Now, a lot of this was happening while she was in the halfway house. She Mm -hmm. was eventually released from the halfway house on May 25, 2018 and was back into society. Amidst all of this chaos, after she was released from prison, as she was still sort of dealing with the treatment for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, Abby was hinting on social media that her return to dance moms might be imminent. On Feb 9, 2019, these hints were confirmed when Lifetime released a trailer for Dance Mums Resurrection, or Dance Mums Season 8, which included Abby. Here's a clip. I was ready to go back to work and start my life over and now I became a walk. Would you call this emergency like surgery? Like if had you waited longer, like it could have gotten so much worse. She would have died. I need to get back to teaching and I need to get back to screaming at children. I need to get back to my roots. I'm going to take these kids right back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, so Abby went on to star in season eight of Dance Mums, which aired throughout 2019 and was the final season of the show. I think it's very hard to revive these things. Like, can't revive much. It was kind of dead. I think the fact they even used resurrection in the title <laughs> should have told them, like, maybe this doesn't need to be well, resurrected. Like, you're not Jesus. You can't just come back from the dead. <laughs> now, as for her health, in April 2021, Abby declared that she was completely cancer-free during an interview on the morning show. She was still having issues with her spine and was still confined to a wheelchair. But according to a recent PET scan, her cancer was in remission. So with no more Dance Moms, Mish, I think it's time to check in with where everybody else is. Yeah, let's start with Maddie Ziegler, of course, one of the main stars of the show. In 2022, Maddie actually opened up in an interview with Cosmopolitan about her trauma from being on Dance Mums. She said, people thought I was a brat because in all my interviews, I would say, I'm the best. I know I'm going to win. But that's because the producer was telling me to say that. I don't think I'm better than everyone else. I was just doing whatever they told me to do because I thought that's what you did. They set you up for failure. I have dissociated so much from that time. Mm. I'll see fans post scenes from Dance Moms and I'm like, I literally don't even remember that happening. It's weird because there were really amazing times, but there were also a lot of things that were really, really not great for us kids. When asked if she had ever wanted to leave the show as a kid, she said, I started to feel like it's so peaceful outside of this world. I can't be in this. My family and I really tried to leave for the last three seasons. But when you're in a contract, it's really hard. Eventually, I got out and Abby was distraught. For the longest time, we felt so guilty. She trained me. She helped me. But also, 
I knew I would be okay without her and I was sick of being in a toxic environment. I was like, this is not for me. I can't do this. I haven't spoken to her since. For context, when Maddie quit the team, Abby Lee Miller burst into tears and locked herself in a room. It's so like so that good. dynamic between a child and this adult who is it's like completely really losing troubling. it, that level of pressure is insane. In a 2023 interview with M. Rada for her High Low podcast, Maddie spoke about the ongoing ramifications of starring on Dance Mums. She said, last year I was having a really bad panic attack and I called my mum and things were coming up from the past and she apologised to me. She was like, I'm so sorry I put you through that. It's so sad because she would never want to hurt my sister Mackenzie and I, but none of us knew how crazy it would get. Today, Maddie's career is still taking off. Last year, she had a role in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, which is amazing. And this year, she starred in a film called Bloody Hell, opposite Shit's Creek star Emily Hampshire. So that's Maddie Ziegler. What about Jojo Siwa? Jojo Siwa. Well, in contrast to Maddie and most of her fellow Dance Mums alumni, Jojo has said she's actually on really good terms with Abby Lee Miller. In 2020, she gave this quote, I actually talked to Abby the most out of anybody from the show. She's great. I think Abby got hurt by a lot of people and it's really, really, really sad that a lot of the people don't talk to her anymore. It's just sad because Abby really is a good person. Even though you see her yelling and screaming at children on TV, Abby made seven stars. I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for her. Maddie and Mackenzie Ziegler wouldn't be where they are today without Abby. I mean, I want Jojo to have whatever opinion she wants to have. It's her experience. It's interesting to me, though, that you can say you see her yelling and screaming at children on TV, but, like, she's a great person. Yeah, and also naming Maddie and Mackenzie. Feels really personal. Doesn't it? In January 2021, a then 17-year-old Jojo came out as part of the LGBTQIA plus community. She'd alluded to this for a few days on social media. In particular, she posted a TikTok in which she danced to Lady Gaga's Born This Way. But she officially came out when she posted a tweet wearing a t-shirt that said, best gay cousin ever, with the caption, my cousin got me a new shirt. Mm, Also potentially of note, The now 19-year-old Jojo seems to have well and truly ditched the hair bows. She's kind of had a bit of a rebrand, which I think is fair enough. She had a very juvenile brand. Totally fair enough. She needed to glow up. Then there is Nia, the young black dancer who Abby regularly handed ethnic choreography to that we touched on in Ep 1. Nia actually sat down with Forbes a couple of years ago to look back on the dance mum's experience. She told Forbes, I was put through a lot. As a child, it was a lot to endure. A lot of yelling, a lot of swearing, being put down all the time. And not only being put down by people in your physical life, but also being put down by people on the internet. The show was super negative, but I try my best to turn it into a positive. I look at the great things that I got from it and focus on those instead of dwelling on the negative stuff because honestly, it's just going to hold me back. If I keep focusing on what happened in the past, bringing it up again and thinking about it, that's just so unhealthy. She went on, on the show, I was told so often that I wasn't wanted there. A lot of people ask me, why did you stay if you felt as if you weren't wanted and it was hard for you? 
First of all, we had contracts. People always forget about that. Second, my parents have always taught me to honor a contract. Third, I was the only black girl on the show for the majority of the show. I was not going to let them make me or black girls in general look inferior. I was allowed to be there just as much, and I am deserving to be here just as much as somebody else. I definitely felt that they were trying to kick me out by saying that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't wanted. My reaction was, I don't care if you want me, I'm staying. Nia honestly was one of my favourite kids on the show and is one of my favourite adults now that the show has well and truly wrapped up. She has gone on to become extremely successful post-dance mums. For starters, she has 9 million followers on TikTok and another 6 million over on Instagram. She also produced a show called Dance with Nia in collaboration with Meta, which spotlighted dancers with disabilities. How amazing is that? And lastly, what about Abby Lee Miller? Well, Abby is still dealing with health issues related to her spine surgery, but as far as we know, she is still in remission from cancer. In June 2023, she launched her own podcast called Leave It on the Dance Floor, where she talks about dance mums. How interesting. Yeah, look, I think her legacy will always be dance mums, so you might as well keep creating content connected to it. Yeah, guys... Thank you for coming on this wild ride with us. And thank you to our researcher, Eilish Gilligan, and audio editor, Annabelle Lee, for helping put this series together. What a ride. What a show. Hope it never happens again. It was also very entertaining, though, so I want to hold yeah. both things at the same time. We can hold lots of things in our mind at the same time. I cannot wait to hear from you guys. Were you a Dance Mums fan? Were you not? Has this completely blown your mind like it has mine? We will, of course, be back in your ears on Thursday for another wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.